Good morning, church. Morning. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> hey, it is good to be back with you again this morning. Um, what a privilege, and I, I sincerely mean that. You know, when I first began ministry and preaching, I felt it more intimidating than anything to get in front of people and that kind of a thing. But the more I live life, the more I see it as a privilege just to be able to open God's Word and maybe help you understand a little bit of what you did not or just confirm what you're already there, you know. But it's God's Word that digs deep within us, and, and it is my privilege to be able to do that. We are in the second week of a three-week series on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I've always wanted to study this and kind of do a sermon series on it, so this has given me the opportunity to do that. Last week, we took a look at the God of Abraham. And Abraham, to me, represents the call of God. God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees to a land that, I'll show you, you got to trust me. And he does. And God has a call on our lives, both in a general revelation kind of way, but also very specifically, that's the job of the Holy Spirit, is to call us, to draw us to the Father. And so I believe there is an individual calling on each of our lives as well, and we looked at that last week. Today, it's about the God of Isaac, and I believe that Isaac represents the gift of God. Abraham, the call of God. Isaac, the gift of God. If you were here several weeks ago, it was just before Christmas, I'd mentioned uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas movie, the story and all that, and Linus with his blanket. Remember that? And uh, he drops his blanket when he's quoting the scripture. He picks it back up. How many even went back and watched that movie again and you noticed Linus, okay? And at the very end of it, he wraps it around the tree and finally gives it up at the very end of the story. And that's pretty cool. But there was one other thing that in looking through that and studying through that, I also came across this Charlie Brown episode that I thought fit today. How many of you remember a character by the name of Rerun? Anybody? I did not remember Rerun. Rerun is just kind of one of those behind-the-scenes characters. And, but you know Lucy, and you know Charlie Brown. And what's the relationship that they had? Remember what Lucy would always do, right? It had to do with the football, right? All right, and she would just hold it. Come on, Charlie, you can do Oh, I won't pull it away this time. No, 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 no. You can trust me this time. And every time, he pulls that ball away. and ah, One of those kind of numbers, right? Well... There's one episode back in the 70s that Charlie, uh, Charles Schultz writes about. Lucy's there, Charlie Brown's there, and rerun. Lucy goes inside the house to do something. For whatever reason, she comes back out, and there's rerun and Charlie Brown. And rerun has the football. Ah. And Lucy comes out, and she goes, you didn't let him kick that football. You didn't let him kick that. Did you let him kick that football? She is so worried that he actually got a chance to kick the ball. And Rerun says, you'll never know. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? You'll never know. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. But you'll never know. And I thought, you know what? In relationship to what we're talking about today with Isaac receiving the gift of God, and in a very real sense, representative of the salvation, eternal life given to us by God, all right? I remember a time when I was in high school, 
And I was not sure of my salvation. Oh, I'd already given my life to Christ. And junior high had been a couple of those years going into my freshman year that I've just kind of, I, I want, yeah. They were not good years. They weren't my best years. But in my freshman year, I really started to get some things serious with God. And in my sophomore year, I was really trying to do it right for God. I was. Had my appendix out, couldn't play football that year, my sophomore year, so I decided to run cross country. And I remember being in the locker room with a senior, and we'd had discussions about God before. And he asked me one day, he said, do you know that you're saved? And I said, well, I, I'm pretty sure I am. I, I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really pretty sure because I'm really trying to, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, well, I know I'm saved. And I don't know if it was the way he said it or just the way I took it. But I thought, and I'll never forget thinking, you arrogant son of a gun. How do you know you're saved? And I don't. And I'm trying just as hard as you are. But what he knew was something I did not know. Part of the Bible says, these things have I written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, God doesn't want us to wait until we die to enjoy. All right. He saves us now. And we know that that relationship with him is good now. And we can rejoice in that. I just didn't know the promise for now. And I think that that's what Isaac means to me. Abraham, the call of God. Isaac, the gift of God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at 19 verses. It's Genesis in chapter 22, and we're just going to work through these verses of Scripture and just unpack them. Um, we see Abraham has already received the call of God, but now there's a testing that comes along. And in verse 1, Genesis Chapter 22, it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Now, he calls him his only son. He also has a son by the name of Ishmael, but that's not the son that God had promised him. He promised Abraham and Sarah a son, and his name was Isaac. And he promised that through Isaac, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. That's the idea, okay? But then Abraham is hearing the call of God, and he's hearing the voice of God telling him to go sacrifice. Now, does anybody remember Gideon when God wanted him to do something? I think I would be more like Gideon. Um, Lord, that's a pretty good idea, I think, maybe. Why don't you do a miracle here? Just kind of show it to me that it really is you. I'm not just doing this on my own. And then Gideon, after he gets to one miracle, he says, you know, that was good, but can you reverse that one and do it one more time? I've got to be sure. I think I would be in that vein of thinking. You want me to do what? All right, how about a sign, God? Well, I don't see that out of Abraham. But he's told to take his son and to sacrifice him. The next couple of verses. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and 
loaded his donkey, and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. Now, it's preparation time. Going to go offer my son Isaac as a sacrifice. Let me ask you this. Guys, men, all right? You've been told by God to offer your son as a sacrifice. Let me ask you this question. Are you going to tell your wife? Hmm? Are you going to tell your wife? Hey, Sarah, guess what God just told me to do? Come on, how well is that going to go over? Huh? You're going to do what? I don't know whether he did or not. I kind of think he did not. That would have been my take on it, okay? God, this is you and me. Um, hey, Sarah, we're, we're going to go. We're going to sacrifice. Uh, we're going to, uh, we'll be back, okay? Um, yeah. I love putting myself in someone else's shoes and trying to feel what they're feeling. And I want you to do that several times throughout this story, all right? But that's what's going on. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkeys while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Two things. The third day. He has traveled for three days with this thing in his heart. You're going to see a little bit later. Isaac has no clue what's going on. But Abraham, for three days, is working through this, even as he is taking his son to sacrifice him three days. And here's the thing. He says at the end of that, and we will come. He's telling his servants, you guys park it here for a little bit. We're going to go worship, and then we will come back. Isaac and I are going to come back. How can he think that? You know, Genesis gives me no clue as to the inner thinking of Abraham. I have to wait until the New Testament in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, the faith chapter. And it says this, that Abraham reckoned within himself. He reasoned within himself. He's got three days to think about this. And the only thing he can come up with is, I'm going to go ahead and do this thing because I believe that God will raise him from the dead. Hmm. That's the only thing he can kind of put into place that makes any sense at all. But we will come back after we have worshipped. Let's move on. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. You notice who carries the wood, right? Isaac carries the wood. He's going to be the sacrifice. Let's fast forward that 2,000 years later. What does Jesus carry? The cross, the wood, right? To a place that I will show you. The hill of Calvary, Golgotha. 
Isaac is carrying the wood on which he will be sacrificed. Jesus is carrying the cross, the wood, on which he will be sacrificed. And I'm thinking, what is God the Father thinking? Let's, let's stop with Jesus and the sacrifice there for a minute. What is God the Father thinking? You know, I understand. I've gotten to know your elders a little bit and some of what they do. And, and uh, Parfait and I were talking one time. He, is, he works in the surgical room at the hospital. And I had the privilege in the 1970s when open-heart surgery was fairly new that I got to go in and watch open-heart surgery. It was the coolest thing ever. How many would love that opportunity? How many of you would throw up? Okay. Yeah. Not everybody would take advantage of that, but I thought, okay, this is at OSU Hospital. It's Dr. Vasco, and I, I, the family would be okay with this. I got permission from them. And I asked him, I said, do you have an observation room? Because I'd love to watch this. And he said, really, we don't. I thought at OSU they might have something like that. He said, no, we don't. But I'll tell you what, I don't mind you coming in the room with me as long as you don't become my second patient. Okay. <laughs> Didn't want me passing out. I said, I don't think that'll be an issue. So I went and I got scrubbed up and I went in five hours worth. I got to stand at the head of the table and watch this whole thing unfold. It was amazing. Let me contrast that with my granddaughter. Four years of age at the time, I held her the first day she was born. I would walk her at the zoo, I would take her to the Polaris Mall, I would just, any chance I got, there was that relationship developing. At four years old, though, she'd had strep so many times, they decided to take out her tonsils. Okay? And as she was being wheeled away, I felt like bawling. I'm thinking, wait a minute. What's the difference? I got to watch open-heart surgery. Now, my granddaughter's being carted away for a simple tongue tonsillectomy, right? This isn't going to be a good, but it was everything I could do not to cry. What's the difference? Difference is, that's my flesh and blood. We have that relationship. We have that intimacy. And although it was minor, it broke my heart. What do you think God's thinking? When his son is going to the cross, He's got all the power in the universe. And he is letting his son die. You know the verse, for God so loved the world. That's how much he loves you and me, that he would allow his son. Abraham, Isaac, about to go through this. Verse 9. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. The point that all of a sudden I'm looking at is, what's Isaac thinking What's he feeling? You know, if you've seen a picture of this, and maybe a Bible picture book or something like that, usually they'll picture 
Isaac as being eight, nine, ten years old. But most commentaries will say he probably was 16 to 18 years old, maybe even early 20s. There's only the two of them that go to worship. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac's born, so now he's... Isaac can probably take his dad at this point. Seriously. If he can't take him physically, he can probably out, outrun him at least, right? And what we see is dad and son, and the son is willingly allowing dad to bind him and place him on the wood. And I'm thinking again of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane that said, man, is there any other way to do this? Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Three times. And he willingly goes to the cross. That's just all along in this story. You see, 2,000 years later, what God our Father is going to do on our behalf. It's just an amazing thing. To kind of wrap up the passage, in verse 11 it says, But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not... Do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. I know the wording is that way, and it says, now I know that you... Wait a minute. If God is all-knowing, he knows what Abraham's going to do, right? He does. The one who learned something that day wasn't God the Father, but it was Abraham. Abraham has shown his faith. He has walked, followed, and now he's willing to go through with. He is being tested in his faith. You do not know the faith that you have until it's put to the test. That's what I see. Abraham is tested, and because he passes the test, his faith is shown to be strong, and because he does, it's even stronger than what it was before. And he can look back on this day and go, yes, I believe with all of my heart. Abraham is the one who gained the understanding of his own faith and how to follow God no matter what. It goes on in verse 13. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it's called, or it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. On a hill far away. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Everything that we need for salvation has been provided for us. God planned it. God initiated it. God is the one who was offended because of our holiness, our sinfulness. So God received it. He did everything. He, Isaac, the gift of salvation. Verse 15, we'll close out. 
The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, and he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations in the earth will be blessed because you've obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants. They set out together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. And they get home. I wonder what the conversation was like. Hey, honey, guess what we just did? Yeah? I, it's safe now to tell mom what's going on, right? Or maybe it's Isaac. Hey, mom, guess what dad was going to do? <laughs> you know, let's go. God doesn't require physical sacrifice. He was going to provide it himself. And do for us what we could never, never do. I preached for almost 20 years at Sunbury Christian. One of the guys who became a member there, Jeff Belcher, I'll never forget this. He'd been there about a year, year and a half, something like that. He comes up to me individually and he goes, Hey, Mike, how come you don't yell at us more? How come you don't yell at us more? He came from a Pentecostal background, and he's used to getting yelled at, okay? Do it this way. You got to give this up. You know, boom, 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 just all, you know, you just, how come you don't yell at us more? And I told Jeff, I said, Jeff, if I think you need yelled at, I'll do it, okay? But for the most part, if we're reminded of the love of God, that's what he's after. You see, this is the way I see it. A father who's always yelling at his kids, there's something wrong in that relationship. There is. But to help understand this is what we want. This is not good. This is going to hurt you. This is where I need you to go. This is what, and God has always been after a love relationship. Now, the fear of hell, the love of heaven, they're both very real. I think sometimes fear is a good motivating factor to get us to change something. All right? To fear. And so I'm going to prepare. I'm going to do. I'm going to change. I want. So now I'm going to discipline myself to get something that I want. But the fear of hell and the love of heaven is still very selfish. It's all about me. What I don't want what I do want, what God has always tried to say to us is it's about relationship. It's about love. I love you so much that I will give my son. All you need to do is receive the gift. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Because 4,000 years ago, Abraham and Isaac foreshadowed what was going to happen on the cross. And I thank God we're on this side. We get to see the outcome of all that. But we still have to trust God and then rejoice in that salvation that he's given to us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for the examples that go before us, both those of today and those of Scripture. And what you've always, always wanted is to repair the relationship that we as 
mankind divided. We, we broke it. God help us understand the love of God, which is matchless. And if there's something that we need to do, take another step closer to you. Father, if there's something we need to give up, whatever those things are, it's got to spring from love. Help us to see that and to do it. We pray in Jesus' name.